There's no such thing as guilty pleasures, only pleasures. And I think Van Helsing Prep is a real pleasure. You've seen it? Yes, in your character, it's reminiscent of Tess of the D'Urbervilles. Thank you. And welcome to an all-new episode of No Guilty Pleasures, a pop culture podcast. I'm your host, little-known cartoonist, (laughs) Ken Holtzhauser. And today we're going to go through some of the back alleys of pop culture and find pleasure in some of the strangest of places. So please, join us on this journey. Let's go! Hello, and welcome to an all-new episode of No Guilty Pleasures, a pop culture podcast. I'm your host, little-known cartoonist Ken Holtzhauser, and we're taking another trip backwards in time to the history of science fiction, or certainly the history of me growing up. Uh, This was a show that I watched at the time. Uh, I enjoyed it, and it disappeared very quickly. I have that effect on TV sometimes. So, let us enjoy Carousel for today... We may be renewed with Logan's Run, the TV series. I was getting worried about you. Grand, we found it. Found what? Sanctuary. Are you nothing but a machine? Nothing but a machine, indeed. That piece of tin on wire is a machine. We were just friends. How did you find Sanctuary? Is that where you think you are? You're back in the city of bones. quite a theme song, isn't it? It'll get stuck in your head. The actual theme music itself is pretty good, but that weird uh, pew, pew, pew thing that it's doing is really unnecessary. It's almost like they wanted to say, no, everybody, it's a science fiction show. Let's get some pew, pew going on. Uh, In any case, as I said, I grew up um, as a sort of a nerdy sci-fi type kid. And uh, you didn't get a lot of choices in sci-fi before Star Wars came along back in 77. So for me, uh, my my whole exposure to this kind of thing was old movies, Godzilla movies, um, and a lot of that stuff was really dry. My goodness, it was dry. The Godzilla movies in particular, you had to work for it. You didn't just get... 
you know, kaiju action right off the bat. No, 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 no. You had to sit through long, ridiculously dubbed scenes to get your monsters. In 1976, the movie Logan's Run came out, and it was a smash. MGM had spent a great deal of money on the series, or on the uh, the book uh, adaptation of Logan's Run. It starred uh, Michael York and uh, Jenny Agutter, and it was meant to star uh, John Voight and Lindsay Wagner, but that's another story. Um, the movie and the novel involve a society that has ordered itself to the point that when you are considered too old to be of use, you were executed. In the novel, you're executed at 21. In the movie, it's 30, because they had a tough time finding enough actors to fill the roles. In fact, I think Michael York was over 30 when he starred in it, but that's a whole nother thing. Um, this time, after it being such a smash hit, I think $9 million was spent to secure the rights for television, and the CBS network ran Logan's Run. And, again, I'm a sci-fi kid, so any science fiction on television, I'm going to go for. I had been watching reruns of Star Trek like everybody had, um, that was just about it to scratch that sci-fi itch. And um, there was a short-run Planet of the Apes series that I watched that I enjoyed. It was also on CBS, I believe, and it was great. And it was, uh, let's say, cost-effective, <laughs> and it disappeared quickly. So, oh well. Uh, here comes Logan's Run, and Logan's Run was a little bit less kid-friendly, a little bit more sci-fi, so I'm sure that the network thought this was going to be a much better thing. And in fact, um, given Heather Menzies' um, fair of feathered hair and short skirts, it was going to tie in neatly with the, uh, the Charlie's Angels slightly jiggly TV that was going on at the time. Um, this was yet another sci-fi property that didn't seem to grasp the idea of supportive undergarments for women. The, uh, the series itself seems to take place around the middle of the Logan's Run movie. It is basically uh, involves the, uh, the culture that uh, executes people have uh, a police force called Sandmen who will uh, execute anybody who runs from their renewal process. So anybody who doesn't feel like getting executed at 30. And in this series, Gregory Harrison plays the lead role of Logan, who was a Sandman who was about to become renewed and suddenly decided, oh, hey, uh, maybe I want to live past 30. Maybe this is not such a good thing for me. Gregory Harrison is on his way to being a TV star. He will be um, Gonzo Gates on uh, Trapper John MD soon and become a huge TV heartthrob and go on to star in like 50 million Lifetime movies. Uh, Heather Menzies, I remember seeing her in a movie called S that starred Dirk Benedict and was about snakes. Uh, she was one of the Von Trapp children, I think, too. So, I mean, she had an extensive uh, television and movie career at the time, and she filled things out. Uh, I hesitate to say that. She filled things out nicely. Good Lord. Um, I will say 
that um, one of the smarter additions to the series was adding a more sci-fi character. In this case, they encounter uh, in the first episode a 200-year-old android called Rem, who was played by Donald Moffat. And he immediately became my favorite character on the series. Partly because as the know-it-all android, he kind of filled the Mr. Spock role of the series. And in a lot of ways, is sort of a proto-data in that he is an android who wants to be human. But he's also there to plug in any plot. And as an android, then suddenly, you know, it was way more interesting to me because now there was... Um, a little bit more familiar fantasy sci-fi element to the show. Uh, the three of them have escaped from the Dome City, although you do see a lot of stock footage of the Dome City and a lot of stock footage from the movie, then why not? I mean, they spend a great deal of money on all of those effects. You might as well get the most out of them you can. But mostly this is just about Logan and Jessica traveling the outside the, uh, the Dome City and encountering weird... Uh, threats on their way to find the fabled sanctuary where people have run from being executed and turn up. The series is, um, well, it's a lot like any other type of a series. You've got the fact that they're running from the authorities, which gives it a little bit of a fugitive vibe. His best friend Francis is chasing him, uh, just like in the movie. But because they don't immediately find Sanctuary like they do in the film, this gives you the opportunity to do all kinds of weird sci-fi stuff. You have an alien encounter, you have um, monsters, you have time travelers. I think there's at least two different alien invasions. The series, they made 14 episodes, but CBS only ran 11 of them. So yeah, it, needless to say, it was not a particular success. The problem with that is, for me, I really liked the show, and I have since found a way to rewatch it. It is available on DVD, and you can find episodes of it on YouTube if you look for it, and it holds up really well. It's a perfectly good slice of 1970s sci-fi. It's, uh, it's lit very much like Star Trek. There's a lot of, whenever they go into an interior set, the, the walls are very pastel colored. It's, it's bright. It's, it's got that sheen to it. Uh, lots of blinking lights and things like that. But there's also a great deal of exterior filming too, kind of like the Planet of the Apes series I mentioned before. And they get a lot of use out of backlots and a lot of use out of the mountains and the, the forests and stuff. It's a good looking series. The props all come from the movie and they all look great. The costumes look great. I've always felt like that Sandman costume is one of the better sci-fi costumes that you're going to encounter. And I loved the character of Rem as well. He wears a slightly different outfit, not, <laughs> not too goofy, but goofy enough. And he had the most marvelous eyebrows. His eyebrows extended probably three feet away from his brow. I was obsessed with him as a kid. And uh, if I could grow my eyebrows out like that, I would too. The, the series itself has a pretty good pedigree when it comes to writing. There's all kinds of, um, there's all kinds of good people in the writing staff. Uh, David Gerald writes an episode. Harlan Ellison writes an episode. Although David Gerald took his name off of his episode because he felt like they had changed it around too much. It's probably the best episode the series had. And um, 
it's it's really it's really well written. It's really good, as I say, representative of 1970s science fiction. Uh, the Logan's Run phenomena died really quickly. <laughs> I mean, here it was a huge movie for MGM in 1976. Uh, the original author went ahead and wrote two more novels so that he could continue the story. I think one of them is called Logan's World and the other one's called Logan's Quest, if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly. And um, the, unfortunately, it all just died. And I think it died because of Star Wars. I think there could have been a discussion of doing further Logan's Run movies, but when the television series hit in 1978 in the aftermath of Star Wars, it suddenly didn't feel correct anymore. Science fiction had suddenly become uh, spaceships and aliens, and it was about to become Buck Rogers and Battlestar Galactica. So Logan's Run ends up, I think, maybe looking kind of quaint next to it. Maybe it has a sort of, um, I don't know, 2001 slash Star Trek look to it. But for whatever reason, this is an incredibly short-lived phenomena. The 11 weeks that the Logan's Run TV series ran is the last gasp of what could have been a massive science fiction franchise. I liked the series, as I said before. Uh, I watched it every week, uh, and it didn't surprise me very much when it disappeared. Like I said, I have that effect on TV series. Um, But it's a perfectly serviceable little sci-fi slice. It it, it, It didn't get a lot of replay. I would recommend MeTV find this series and put it back in slight rotation for their Sci-Fi Saturday because, if nothing else, it looks good. You're going to see a lot of very familiar 60s and 70s TV actors and actresses in it. You're also going to see a very young Kim Cattrall in an episode. So it's got a lot going for it in terms of watchability. It's fun. It's bright. And for whatever reason, it's a sci-fi series that just didn't have any legs, either as a movie or as a television series. I guess we all uh, got tired of it quickly. Either that or we were impressed at how futuristic it looked and then suddenly it looked like a relic of the past. And that's weird. There have been two different attempts since Warner Brothers acquired the rights to the film series. There have been two different attempts to get uh, Logan's Run renewed, (laughs) if you want. Um, One of them was going to be a Leonardo uh, DiCaprio-led vehicle, and another was going to be a Ryan Gosling vehicle. And, um, yeah, neither one of them got any traction. There's still no traction. And, honestly, there's so much to be said. It's It's a science fiction property that tells you that society only values youth. And you have no purpose after you're not young and attractive anymore. And if you can't find any meat on those bones, you're not looking hard enough. This is a fun curiosity, the TV series. Um, Obviously, the movie is better than the series. But I think the series, for what it is, is tremendous fun. It's worthwhile. Gregory Harrison and Heather Menzies are the stars of the show, but they're also the least compelling characters on the show. It will take 
as the series goes on before they finally start fleshing out these characters. Because for the most part, the two of them and their run is the vehicle to get you to the story. As long as you get Logan in the story, the science fiction story you're wanting to tell this week, that was that was all that you really needed. You brought Logan into the story. Rem is going to have some sort of uh, solution to get you out of the story, and all is well and good. But as the series progressed, we started to get a little bit more characterization into Logan, and we got a little more characterization into Jessica, and there started to become a minor flirtation between the two of them. And again, the they're starting to do something with the characters. It's starting to progress in the way that you want a television series to progress. And uh, so, of course, this is the perfect time to cancel it. It's a tragedy, but a lot of these things are short-lived tragedies. I mean, there's certainly a subculture on the internet that is absolutely beside themselves over the fact that Firefly only lasted for about 13 weeks. Here we have Logan's Run. This was the kind of thing that you saw all the time back in the 70s and 80s. Very short-lived, very imaginative, but for whatever reason, it just wasn't the right thing at the right time. But I urge you, seek the show out. Go ahead and get it on DVD. It's not terribly expensive. But like I said, there are episodes online too. You can catch it there. And I urge MeTV or any other streaming services, get your hands on this one because... This is a little bit of a sleeper hit, if you'll pardon the pun, and it's worth your time. For No Guilty Pleasures, I am little-known cartoonist Ken Holtzhauser, and we'll catch you next time. Maybe you'll be renewed. Looking for something new and exciting in comics? Perhaps that other dynamic duo, The Quick and the Dad. It's a love letter to the DC, Marvel, Archie, and Harvey comics of my youth. Available now in print and digital from IndiePlanet.com. Within the pages of The Quick and the Dad, you will find supervillains, dad jokes, strange, exciting worlds, really goofy supervillains, and bad puns. I promise. Each issue will delight and confound you in equal measure, and it's available now in print and digital from IndiePlanet.com.